You're listening to the Plain Label Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Plain Label Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Williams. In this episode, we continue our look at phase four of the MCU with the discussion of the film Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Here to discuss the film with me is a man who knows more about Australian terms than the Aussies themselves, Mr. New Mutant, Alan White. That is so untrue. (laughs) But I might love them far more than they do. Yes, you love them enough in case they don't love themselves. Well, some I hope they do, but... They don't think a thing about their accents. And I'm just over here, like <laughs> big moon eyes, like hands you under your chin. This? Yes. <laughs> could you just please read this off for me? Could you just, <laughs> could you say this word here? You're not, uh, you don't hear a bunch of uh, Australian accents in the big bad city or what? Uh, okay, occasionally. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's like a radar. It almost makes me want to try extroversion. <laughs> Yeah, just, just give it a chance, give it a try. <laughs> just like I, I, I flirt with the idea, you know, maybe, maybe saying hello to a stranger is not a bad idea. And then I quickly shoot that down. Like, no, 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 yeah. what the, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not I doing feel, that. Yeah, I definitely feel the second part of that. <laughs> I definitely feel the second part of that. Before we get into our discussion of Shang-Chi, I should mention that we are proud members of the Deliberate Noise Network. Search Deliberate Noise in your podcast app for more great shows from the network and alan what is it that you are drinking this evening oh oh me well (laughs) (laughs) i flirted a little bit with making some creamy sweet corn drink in Mm. you know in 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 uh in honor of our our asian uh excursion Mm -hmm. into chinese myth and legend um or possibly um bring some coconut buns um, for, you know, to go along with my cocktails, maybe some goji berry and red dates, herbal tea. Um, but I was running late, so I got some amaretto and uh, lemonade. Oh, the old standby coming through. The old standby, yes. I like it. I am, uh, you know, I was disappointed because I thought for sure, I knew that we didn't have any uh, Chinese-based drinks, but I thought that we had at least something that was in the Asian uh, vicinity. Uh, mm-hmm. Because usually we have some soju or some sort of um, like we don't, I guess we don't really have sake too often, but we usually have soju in the house, but we didn't have any of that. So I uh, went with this passion fruit mix as a, uh, as my nod, because I figured that's what I was feeling like whenever uh, Tony Le- Leung was on the screen, mm-hmm. a little passion fruit. Um, oh. But uh so I'm having that and uh, in vodka. So the the pretty traditional drink for me as well, the old sparkling water and vodka. Oh, so, so wait, I missed it. <laughs> do you do you have a Chinese drink or no? No, I don't. Oh, no. okay. We usually do in the house. We usually have what some sort look, of Asian oh, liquor. Yeah, that was the swerve. Yeah, you're telling me what you usually have. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Usually. So that's what we are drinking. That's the film we're going to be discussing. And I think we're ready to kick off our discussion of 2021's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Get it. Throughout my life, the Ten Rings gave our family power. 
If you want them to be yours one day, you have to show me you are strong enough to carry them. You are a product of all who came before you. The legacy of your family. You are your mother. And whether you like it or not, you are also your father. I told my men they wouldn't be able to kill you if they tried. Glad I was right. He's just a criminal who murders people. Be careful how you speak to me, boy. The IMDb plot synopsis, it is a doozy. It goes like this. Shang-Chi, the master of weaponry-based kung fu, is forced to confront his past after being drawn into the Ten Rings organization. The end. (laughs) Really, really short and sweet. (laughs) What is that weapons-based thing about? uh, I had no idea. I didn't see a ton of uh, Uh, Simu Liu out there with some weapons. Did you? No, none, in fact. (laughs) It's like a question mark. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't his deal. He didn't have weapons. He didn't need them. He wants the weapon. Yeah, he's the the living weapon. Isn't that what his name is? I don't know. Master of Kung Fu. That's what his name is. In in the 616. Shang-Chi, Master Uh, of Kung Fu. Who's the the living weapon? What is that uh, given to? You mean like from the 70s? So like that from the 70s comics yeah what am i, I thinking know. of no nope. oh, i'm just oh i that's just the, the the name that they sometimes give iron fist so, okay yeah iron fist the living weapon was uh one of the uh miniseries or one of the the 2014 run of iron fist was called that was it fraction of aja uh it, nope it was the uh kari andrews group okay of- Okay. So there you go. So there's and now me, there's the me latest, stumbling through it already. The latest person on Iron Fist is your friend and mine, Dave Wachter. Oh, is that Wachter. right? I didn't know that. Dave Wachter, bro. He's wow. been the artist on the last the last go round of uh, our Iron Fist hmm. in probably 2019, I think. Interesting. The come up. Got the come up. I'll have to uh, I'll have to check that out at some point. Yes, but we're not talking about the white guy. That's um, <laughs> we're no, talking we're about authenticity today. Yes, yes, Shang Chi. Shang Chi. So, what is your history with Shang Chi? 
zero to none. <laughs> okay, so mine's the same. I thought it was, <laughs> I forever thought it was Shang-Chi because I'm from the Midwest. <laughs> and we have to we have to put any sort of like country kind of Shang on everything <laughs> instead of Shang, right? <laughs> well, um, I mean, it's A-N-G. It's not really easily understood as an ong. Yeah, like in our know, tongue. Like T-H-A-N-G. <laughs> How do you say that? Thang? Thang. That, 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 dang, that, dang, that, that, dang. See, there we go. That paid off. Um, <laughs> you, you set me up. That's right. So Shang-Chi, it was, uh, it was one of those announcements where I was like, oh, okay, I can see how this would work in terms of a film where I didn't expect there to be a huge budget behind it. I was like, oh, this is interesting. They're kind of doing uh, a, a film version as opposed to going Iron Fist and doing a series. So I was like, huh, that's that's interesting. Um, once there was sort of the uh, like the cast lists and I started either getting people that I knew from previous work or you saw the sort of like um, the now kind of infamous uh, Simu Liu, who played Shang Chi, his uh, call out to Marvel, and then he ended up landing the landing the gig. Right now, that's the American dream, and he's not even American. That's right, Canadian, Canadian Chinese. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, once we get the announcement of to- Tony Leung and Michelle Yeoh, and then um, Aquafina being in it, and then we had a couple of of people. Once I started watching the film, that I recognized from other things, like Stephanie. Sue from uh, who plays Sue from the marvelous uh, marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Never. and then she's also in the uh, Michelle Yeoh uh, everything everywhere all at once uh, that that just come out not too I long never, ago. I never I have never seen her in anything else. Oh, so she plays Sue at the very beginning. Um, that says both of them need to basically get jobs. And uh, oh, the age, the uh, what the month what who. Who's she that? it's when they were um it's when the four of them are all sitting there and they're talking about how oh thank you okay katie and sean first met yes yeah during that scene so clever so i i liked uh I, so i liked seeing her in there and then the i am searching for his name but i don't see him but he's the guy that uh he plays this sort of razor fist no 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 <laughs> i didn't i didn't recognize weight <laughs> razor fist um, it's the it's the guy that welcomes in uh, Shang Chi and Katie to Shang Chi's sister and her like her club. Oh, oh, the little the little fellow running around with the what with the, the mohawk. Or yeah, with the mohawk. I he oh. was in Crazy Rich Asians. Okay. Um, and so we have experienced a lot of Crazy Rich Asians, and so there's a few. Um, similarities between what that film did and, and and how big of a film that that was and then what this does here and so it's a lot of some of it is is sort of the traditions of asian american culture and living up to your parents expectations and that sort of thing um and some of it is uh is new to this and sort of marvelized i guess you would say yeah uh, with the whole Tao low stuff and and all that but but uh but yeah so what did you what did you think going into it? Was it one where you, I mean, you didn't see trailers, right? Absolutely right. And so you just kind of were like, well, I don't know what this is about. It's a legend of the 10 rings. Did that give you an idea that it was Mandarin based? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, what I did know 
from all the other Marvel movies that we watched, I watched, I watched, and you watched, but <laughs> I watched by myself, mm-hmm. is that the Ten Rings um, image was shattered because the Mandarin in the previous Iron Man movie was a sham. So the Ten Rings itself it didn't represent that one guy. It represented some other kind of organization, and that's all I knew. Mm. So I figured we're going to go and see that organization actually was, where it comes from, what its origin is. And if it has something to do with Chi's father, then it may, his father was the actual Mandarin. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that I was going into with expectations. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So I, this was, uh, this is before I became evangelized into Alan's church of not watching trailers. Um, I'll preach it. I'll preach it every <laughs> single day. I'm holding <laughs> prayer meetings on Tuesday and we're having two services on Sunday. That's right. All, all are welcome. Stay, uh, the tithing stay. is at 15% to start. Right. <laughs> right. Cause preachers got to eat. That's right. It's got to get some sort of funds. I mean, yep. you know, <laughs> <laughs> Don't muzzle the ox that treads the corn. Ooh, I like that. Was, that's what my pastor always used to say. Uh, so I I knew sort of what to expect with this, with the, like, I knew about the Aquafina of it all. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> the Aquafina of it all. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right. So because she plays a very similar role in Crazy Rich Asians to where she's the, the little sidekick of the oh. main character okay. and does the same sort of stuff to where she's, very sympathetic and and soft-spoken looking and then does her aquafina yelling stuff <laughs> with such a wide mouth you know what yeah. she reminded me of <laughs> huh. lilo and stitch oh yeah 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 that with that, she's got a very wide mouth is. yeah yeah it's like it's like it just unhinges her head that is, like unhinges. yeah that's interesting um so yeah so i i don't really want to get too much into her like the 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 sort of controversy that follows her what uh, i don't know of any controversy that follows well her. it's 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 like the uh the blackification of aquafina and what she does in her comedy stylings oh i've never watched her comedy style uh so she was in um nora from queens yes and she has uh let's see does I she believe- little bit like urban culture she does she represent does she reproduce certain ways of speaking certain ways of approaching yeah i believe this is uh it's like a persona that she puts on but it's it's like a consistent persona but it's sort of like she's she's like trying to sound like she's a black woman instead of being an asian woman Hmm. okay well, we'll leave that controversy. It's, that's sort of like that's people. sort of like the criticism that is common about her. Okay, that's not my fight right now. So I'll <laughs> I'll leave it with those who have the energy to go in. <laughs> exactly that. right. Exactly. So the things that uh, so I knew about her. I knew about Simu Liu and the the bus scene because I saw I felt like I saw that scene to death before it happened, which see? was a little disappointing. That's the let. Uh-huh. Uh, turn in your Bibles with me to mm-hmm. chapter 16 <laughs> of Don't Do That, mm-hmm. because that's the exact reason why you should not do that. Mm-hmm. When you've seen a scene often enough, 
before you see the movie, then when you get to that specific scene in the movie, you're no longer sitting there watching the movie. You are rehearsing what you have seen already, and it will feel old and stale. Mm -hmm. But if you don't see anything about the movie at all, no music, no scenes, no dialogue, no nothing, then when you're sitting in the movie theater watching the movie, every single thing you see and hear will be fresh and amazing. Uh, I think I think what uh, Pass is, the plate. what's the really plate. pushing me over the limit on stuff for for your sort of uh, ways of not watching trailers is that I already know that I'm going to see the movie. Yes. And so it's not something to where it's like, oh, what is this thing I haven't heard of? Let me see if I'm interested in it. Right. Yeah. So it's like, I know I'm going to see Doctor Strange. I don't exactly. need to see everything that happens not a thing i don't have to see a thing i'm going to be there i'm going mm -hmm. to watch it so when i watch it i'll watch it i don't need to see it now mm -hmm. it's the same sort of thing that i'm excited about for our next discussion because i don't know anything about what eternals is yeah yeah um, like I, it's it's one of those where it's it's sort of a blank slate because i haven't read it's neil gaiman and jrjr no it is Jack Kirby and Jack Kirby. Oh, so it's the way, 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 From way back. 1970, like three, I think. But didn't Neil Gaiman do a, a miniseries? Sure, of... sure okay. he did. Yeah, he did. I'm just making sure I'm not making it up. No, you're not making it up. He, he did a series. There was a series before he did a series. Yeah, J.R.J.R. I, I forget who the writer was, but J.R.J.R. did it because when Gaiman did it, uh, Oh, I'm thinking of the painted covers. Yeah, JRJR <laughs> did it. Okay. With him. But that was one of the um volumes after mm. after a while. But the Kirby is the creator and the artist and the writer of the Eternals. Now now I gotta find out and check it out. Yeah, but you yeah. better the I mean, because you you can kind of look at well, I mean, the only thing I know about it is there are uh I've seen images of celestials. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, I, I feel like you can't see Celestials and think of any other artist than Jack Kirby. Mm. So I guess that makes sense. But that tells you why. Because he made them. <laughs> yeah. So Shang-Chi had nothing Shang uh, really to like. I had not really high expectations or low expectations because I like I said, I didn't have any history with the, the source material. So I didn't know what we were going to do at all. Um the thing that I, I did enjoy about the trailer is the song Run It that is played throughout the trailer. Um, it is a uh, it, it is it is frequented in my running playlist. We'll say it that way. OK. Um, and it's it's the song that plays during the bus scene, but it's just the beat that plays instead of the song. And uh, so overall, I like this quite a bit. There were. Oh! Oh, okay <laughs> there were a couple of uh I thought things we were gonna that... have to fight no 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 there were a couple of things that i didn't love but i i liked the majority of this a lot um this was a thing where with anna being half korean she was interested in seeing it she's seen crazy rich asians like a million times i think by now <laughs> and she likes herself some aquafina so she was like oh i want to see that and Simu Liu comes on and she kind of gets all wide-eyed for a minute. And I was like, take a breath. I mean, you know? understandable. I was Listen. like, well, I put in here, I was like, now he's just showing off. 
<laughs> but if if you follow him, if you follow him on Twitter, you'll see he's about that. Mm-hmm. He's a he's about that show off life. <laughs> so it was when uh, when we first see him, when we first get into San Francisco, and he's waking up and doing the push ups, and I was like, no, <laughs> ain't nobody doing this <laughs> right out of the bed. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, when when Aquafina sees him with the shirt off, that's also when the kiddo was like. Her? <laughs> like what <laughs> she's a teenager now right yeah she's 13 dokey then mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go yeah Buckle believe up. me um so i thought that the thing for me is i put "Ooh, baby do i love this mandarin love battle uh when we have the tao lo entrance oh. being prevented by lee uh from the mandarin and what I liked about that is that I thought it was it was sort of nodding to uh, like a John Woo sort of style of, of martial arts, but also like a romance through the martial arts. Mm-hmm. So, you're, so you're referring to when um, Shang-Chi's father, mm-hmm. the warlord, with the Ten Rings that was gifted to him from somewhere mm-hmm. above used it used that power to seize all sorts of control over dynasties and all sorts of stuff and lives for a thousand years and hears about this mystical place called Talo say it again mm-hmm. Talo yeah Talo mm-hmm. and tries to go there and is prevented by a woman who seems to be serving as the guardian of that mystical city or town mm-hmm. or village and she is lovely and beautiful and she battles him to stop him at first and then <laughs> yeah what's so funny about that is so she's she's fighting him and she does what i see a lot of in and which i absolutely love in a lot of uh, asian cinema where you'll see the man is struggling and grunting and groaning and swinging wildly and really <laughs> giving it his all and the woman is very calm and collected <laughs> and is doing like smaller movements and just more defensive than aggressive mm-hmm. uh, and so she's doing that follow chen is doing that as uh lee is um the mother's name mm-hmm. and she's doing that and he's using you know the 10 rings and she's deflecting the power and blah 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 and all of that stuff i thought looked great i thought that the whole sort of plot around those moments worked really well i thought that it was a nice bit of character development for the mandarin to where it was you got to stop calling him the mandarin i don't think he's the mandarin he's he's that's what people call him is the mandarin because he because he has the 10 rings on him right and and it's also uh the sequence where <laughs> The sequence where they, what did they say? He pointed at something on the menu and that's what they called him? Yes. Like that's how they got the name Mandarin? Or like Mandarin Duck, I'm assuming? Okay. I Yeah, okay, okay, okay. You know, not one second did I think of him as the Mandarin. <laughs> Wen Wu is his name. Yeah, and that's, well, I put, I'm bad at, uh, you know, I'm bad at names that are American, let alone names that are not. Well, I'm just looking at the IMDb, so. Uh, cheetah, no. <laughs> but I don't, I don't, I've, ne- I never registered that he was the real Mandarin. Oh, so he did say, even though I had expectation that we was going to find out who the Mandarin, like there's, here's the real Mandarin. Uh-huh. When, when they did cover his history and his approach and mm-hmm. his power base, that story that you just quoted, when 
he he is scoffing at what the Westerners tried to identify him as. Mm -hmm. And when they set up that white guy to be the Mandarin, (laughs) that's when I dismissed the idea of any Mandarin identity whatsoever. Oh, okay. Well, I, I took I took that to mean like, fuck these people calling me Mandarin. I'm not the Mandarin. And so I'm like, bet you're not the Mandarin. <laughs> so I hear you, you. the white guy that you're referencing is Sir Ben Kingsley. Yes. <laughs> As Trevor Slattery. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oscar award winning Ben Kingsley, also known <laughs> yes. by Alan as that white guy. <laughs> that white guy that also played another Asian in a movie called Gandhi. Yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that white guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything against that white guy. I'm I'm identifying him as that white guy because he shows up in this. Oh, spoiler! He shows up in this movie. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was a, a nice. I was like, oh, the return of Trevor Slattery. I was like, okay, so they're going to, they're going to like make sense of Iron Man three. I was like, that's that's fun. Uh, the whole dragon bird stuff I could kind of do without. <laughs> it was a, it was a, it was a, wasn't it a chicken pig? Yeah, that's that's <laughs> where the movie was sort of losing me a little bit. A faceless chicken pig <laughs> yeah. with fur. <laughs> yeah, because I was kind of like, wait a minute, we already have the comedic relief of Katie, and Trevor Slattery is also playing a comedic role to where he's you know going to announce what he's doing and then. Uh, the the sister character walks away and he's like, oh, where she's going, where is she going? You know, and that sort of stuff. Like he interrupts his own monologue uh, to wonder where the character is that obviously knows that she doesn't have to bother with him. Mm. And then that, that stuff felt like it almost felt like they were coming up with it and they're like, oh yeah, 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 that's good. That's good. And then they just kept adding in more stuff. Like they mm-hmm. just kept thinking that that character was funny on the day and just kept finding things for him to do <laughs> instead of it being like structured into the film, mm. uh, and, which is a thing that thing, happens sometimes. Well, when you're saying sometimes, I'm thinking of the other time <laughs> that that happened. This is this is what I thought about when they when they included Trevor Slattery in this movie. I thought about the um, character played by. My little dude from Lord of the Rings who played Fro- uh, Frodo. What is his name? The Elijah English Wood? Dude. No, the English guy. The, the plays Frodo. Well, if he's not playing Frodo. Yeah, he played Frodo at one time, did he not? Well, that's Elijah. Or are you talking about from the Hobbit movies? Because that, well, yes. that's Bilbo. Okay. What is, who played So him? Martin Freeman? Oh, that from, guy. oh yeah. Martin Freeman Black Panther. in Black Panther. Yeah. Yes. I'm afraid I'm getting old. I'm not happy with the fact. How, that the, I can't how the hell did I think to... that you were going to talk about Elijah Wood? I was like, that doesn't relate to Marvel. <laughs> right. Spider-Man? No. How did I not Marvel? just go straight to uh, Martin Freeman there? But, but you got it for me. Thank you. I got it. Much. Yeah. So Martin Freeman's entrance into Black Panther, his character was in the comics. And so it's not completely out of focus. But the fact that they had such a majority cast of black people Mm -hmm. and then they put this white guy in here made me think, are the producers saying, look, we can't, we listen, (laughs) we can't have the whole cast be black. Come on. I need somebody up there on that screen looks like me. Could we have one? I hope that's not true. I wish that that would not be true. (laughs) So when I saw Trevor Slattery's white face, I thought, hmm, from from this point, all from the beginning of this movie, all the major characters, family, everybody, Asian. And now 
here's the white guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so did they put him in here because it's like we can't have a movie full of Asian people without a white guy. We have to have some white guy. Hope not. Uh, hope also. But the Trevor's story didn't just end with Iron Man because they had one little short Marvel did. That they oh put yeah. On. Right, and it was the it was the debriefing of Trevor Slattery's character, as they explained, he was never the Mandarin, and this is where he came from, and this is his evolution, or not evolution, but just it was like a comedic take, and they put Ben Kingsley in there to play this character, that kind of made fun of the fact that they propped him up to be the Mandarin, and he was never the Mandarin. Mm-hmm. I wish that they would do that still. I think that it, I, I guess it must be related to dvd sales and how it's not worth um making those shorts but i wish they would that they would still do that ah because i think that that's part of i i would guess that's part of what they were trying to do is like an extra incentive to buy the blu-ray is that you got the short that was on there maybe but if if it becomes if it becomes available for free yeah like immediately then they're losing their they're losing their incentives yeah (laughs) instantly So, so I guess I want to talk about the way that the way that we get some of what I wanted the movie to be and the way that we didn't get ultimately what I hoped we were going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I guess I mean by that is I love the idea that once these, uh, oh, what are they, the necklaces like sapphires or something like that or emeralds or whatever, um, that are collected from the two children and brought back to Wen Wu to Tony Jade. the Young's character. Where, huh? Wasn't that Jade? Where Is that what like, it was? Yeah, well, it was green, one... I, I see a green stone and I'm thinking Jade. Always. Okay, we'll go with Jade. Um, so I like the, the idea that he brings them together so that way he can find his way back to Talo. And this is the only way he knows how to do it. Um, because otherwise you always run into that that sort of story problem of why now, like why does it have to be right oh, now yeah. in Shang Chi's life that he's being drawn back in? Mm. Um, so I like that. I like that idea. I love the idea of the father character using his kids to complete his obsession. Like I think that that's a really interesting, um, not really like a quote unquote villain move, because mm. you're already establishing him as a villain for being. Uh, you know, control being sort of like a warlord type of a figure at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And so I like the idea of this is the one thing that he can't solve, like this one problem that he can't fix. And then you add some emotion to it because he believes that his wife is going to be in this place and savable. And, you know, this is the only sort of thing that has given him vulnerability. Yes. And so I think that that's really interesting. When you were speaking of that fight that him and his to-be wife was having as she was trying to keep him out of Tao Lo, mm-hmm. then when she started to be more tolerant of him, and, and I think it must, it, I get an indication that either he stayed there longer or he returned back to that spot. Because after the fight, they started just kind of like having picnics <laughs> and she was teaching him more um, techniques and things mm-hmm. and there was one scene when she's teaching him that i had to make a note of because it touched me so and i kept re i kept rewinding to look at it over and over again because she is behind him like to the side of him and to behind him showing him a move 
and he's doing the move and she gets tickled by watching him try to move, mm-hmm. try to do this move. She's like looking at him real serious. Well, not serious, but um, like a mentor guiding him. And then when he puts his puts his energy into it, tries to do it, she like giggles to herself uh-huh. as if to say, look at this mother. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what is he trying to do up in here? He's embarrassing. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. Yes. Mm hmm look at him and i and i thought that was her falling in love with him right Mm -hmm. but her idea of falling in love with him was more like i had i can i admire him but he also amuses me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like i i like what i'm seeing and it makes me kind of smile and laugh and yeah he makes me laugh that sort of idea right yeah yeah i so i do like that a lot and then that's taken away from him and then he's going to do anything that he can to get that back. And it doesn't matter if he's endangering his children and, and all that kind of thing. Like I like that a lot with that though. What about the whole idea that he sent his men to go get his kids to Uh get those pendants Mm -hmm. and they're dying left and right. Mm -hmm. Like what (laughs) the, what the, what the hell is going on here? Like he, why doesn't he just, (laughs) Why didn't he just like call them <laughs> or, or, you know, go to their place of business and say, hi, hi, son, let's go out to lunch. Listen, you've got a, you know, that pendant that mom gave. Yeah. Um, could I have that? Or, but instead <laughs> he sends these people after both of them, right. Once in, in mm-hmm. San Francisco to get Shang and once at Shang's sister, she how do you, yeah, it's uh, it's X I A L I N G is oh, how you say Zaling Zaling. Okay, Zaling, uh, to get her, and in order to that whole contest, they're thinking they're fighting for their lives. In their mm-hmm. opinion, these men are coming to kill them, so they uh, kill the men. <laughs> yeah, they're knocking them off of that scaffolding. <laughs> kill them. He's killing. He's killing them. She's killing them. They're dying. They're dying. And it all turns out to be, well, dad sent them to get these pendants just to test to see whether or not he is still the, the weapon that he made, that he had him trained to be throughout his boyhood. And if I would work for this man, I would be like, what? You knew all <laughs> along. I'm like, and, and Johnny, over, you just let, like I had lunch with those men and now they're. <laughs> but what? I think I, that's probably one of those things where I don't know that you like clock in and clock out of that job, right? Like I, I want to say it's like the, the Razav Ghoul sort of like you're there and yeah, the whole thing is just to train Batman, but you're also just like cannon fodder. See, you know? That's just a bad job. <laughs> that is a bad gig to that's get. That's the worst sure. gig ever. <laughs> Why would anybody ever be a henchman mm. when they, the, 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 the warlord spends you like money. That's I right. Want, my life is worth a lot more than that. That's right. So I, uh, one of the things that I wanted to mention about those two main sequences earlier is I think that it sort of shows what happens when you try to use a song that is recorded before the movie comes out. And in terms of like, it's out and done and made, and you need to incorporate it into the soundtrack and then just using musical score because the bus has a really good beat drop when 
Katie just, you know, is figuring out who Shang is mm. and she does the whole, who are you thing and all that kind of stuff. And he's, uh, which, which I, I love the, the bus beat drop. And then the cliff commentary. Do you remember cliff? He's the man who's recording on the, uh, yes. on a cell phone. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. like, he, what I thought about that was so perfect is he's like, now I did do martial arts when I was younger. So I'm going to grade this fight. And it's just that sort of know-it-all kind of internet culture that I thought was really well done in that moment. But so we have this, this song, this song run it is like maybe three minutes in total. And the sequence is at least that long. And so you can kind of, it's like, you can't necessarily hear the loops, but you can just hear that there's not a lot of track for the, like the track is just really, really similar throughout this whole fight sequence and then when we get to the scaffolding fight Mm. there's a lot more of traditional score and that's a lot more of like a sweeping epic like action kind of um traditional sort of a thing and i think that that works a lot better so i just think it's interesting that like the two different types of things that they were trying there tell me if you tell me if this makes sense to you where they try to set the mood based on the locations Mm. Because that could the, be. yeah, that the could bus be. fight is in America in San Francisco and the scaffolding fight is in China, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah, that they, could be. yeah, they, want, they wanted to give you that flavor. This yeah, is I, like the, I like the Trump's idea of that for former sure. Former life and this is happening in, in, in Asia. Yeah. So we have the, the father's obsession using the kids. Um, then what I thought was an interesting addition is we have the dynamic between the siblings mm-hmm. we have the moment where um his sister is like she she talks about how long she waited for him yeah before she realized that she didn't need him yeah and i'm like ooh, i was like god damn is that a great character motivation isn't that right oh <sighs> chills actually right yeah, and, she she enters the scene without when I was watching it again, I didn't look at the casting. I didn't know who, what characters were going to be who or anything mm-hmm. like that. So when she first hit the scene, she's this pit boss of this fight club mm-hmm. in China. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm going to say China. Is it Hong Kong? Uh, you know, I don't know that it says specifically. It's, it's not Madripoor. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so she's, and, and I'm thinking, pretty cool. Woman in power could kick ass she's his sister oh shit Mm -hmm. oh shit and then it was on so that rivalry began on screen for me and then when we get that chance and they get taken back to dad's place the old the old haunt and she's explaining aquafina are we going to call her aquafina forever her name is katie Katie. in the the show (laughs) When, when she's explaining who she is and where what her history is it really drew me in because exactly what you what you just said when you realize he was sent off at 15 to go murder somebody uh well murder the people that killed his mom and her mm-hmm. mom and he was gone he was supposed to come back and he promised her he would left her there alone she was already neglected right mm-hmm. her father had already ignored her because she was a female and not a male to do this job to be this warrior so she was already lost her mom she lost her brother because he left and she never had her father. Well, she had her father at, at one point, but when mom died, she, he she told Katie 
that dad stopped looking at her, looking at her, oh, looking right. at yes. her. Yes, looking at her. Because she looked so much like her mother. Mm-hmm. So she lost her mom. She lost her brother. She lost her dad after her mother died. So what was she supposed to do with her life? She learned how to fight and she became a pit boss and ran the biggest uh, fight club in, let's say, Hong Kong. And I'm thinking, yes, this is how you <laughs> imbue a character. Right. I was all in. Yeah. And, and, I- and let me say this. Let me say this, because this kind of tails right into what you were saying, how um, he used his kids. Mm-hmm. When he's now at this table with them and Katie. And he explains that, you know, this is what's going on. A mom's voice is talking to me. Uh, I need these pendants. We're going to find her. We're going to free her, blah, 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 blah. While she's talk, while he's talking, he looks at her, his daughter. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like it takes a cinematic beat when he looks at her. He's not even talking at that point. He just looks at her and she looks back. And that paid off that exact detail that he had stopped looking at her when his wife died. Now he's looking at her in the promise that wife can come back. So it's kind of like we're seeing him heal. And oh, I'm right. just like, yeah. this is this is this is how, you know, this is how you do characters. This is how you get the audience involved with these people instead of, you know, who cares about this one? Who cares about that? Who cares about this struggle? What about this comp? I don't care about any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. These stories and these little details, these little details dropped like like little pearls, really pay off for me. Yeah. So that that's all of that stuff is what I absolutely loved about it, right? Is is we have the brother-sister dynamic, the father-son, the father-daughter. We have all of that sort of stuff going on. We have the American Asian woman who Katie, who is being the the audience's eyes to where this is all brand new to her mm-hmm. right so she has to be explained things and so all of that stuff works really well and then we get but the, the trevor say, slattery but... stuff and then we get the trevor slattery stuff which i'm yes. kind of like okay okay um because we're getting we're like connecting it to the past and and it's when we start doing the the like it the over-the-top comedic stuff is where I sort of started losing the thread a little bit because I was like, wait a minute. It felt to me at that point, like you don't trust that the audience is going to buy into these relationships. So now we're going to just throw some silliness in there to uh, appease like at the most broad level, like, Oh, we're going to do something that is slapstick and funny in case you weren't warmed up to the film enough or something. Yeah. And I and so that's the stuff I didn't love. When once we actually get in there and we get to see Michelle Yeoh shows up and we get to the sort of final beat like the or the final sort of act of the film, I I'm like okay, I'm I'm into it for the most part. Like I like the where the where the movie concludes and that it's, you know, he's sort of not getting what he was promised the father and so, you know the the whole idea of son having to confront his dad and all that like i liked that a lot mm. um but the stuff with like the the humongous animals that are very phony looking and like the oh. that that sort of stuff i'm like i don't they I don't are know. not that phony looking I, but i was but i was like i don't this this feels not like what i was hoping the movie was going to be 
Okay. So I guess the part of that is on me because the movie is what it is. And my expectations are beside the point, but I liked <laughs> the idea of it being very grounded and personal and family-based and mm-hmm. motivational. And then to have like these huge battles involving like all these odd creatures and stuff. I was like, mm-hmm. well, I don't care about this. Okay. So that, yeah, but let me get into now. I'm not Asian. I'm black. Mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. A bla- I'm, a, I'm a black American. <laughs> my people is from down south. Well, like I said, my kid is half Korean, but she's the whitest Korean girl you've ever met in your life. <laughs> <laughs> Where people will, like her, some of her friends are like, God, Anna, that was such a basic thing to say. And she's like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, you are half white. And she's like, oh my God, I never thought about that. <laughs> she's like, I always think about how I'm Korean. <laughs> hmm. anyway. But there, when they finally go to Tallow mm-hmm. um, with Trevor, because the, you know, the, the, the end for Trevor is that he befriended the little um, pig chicken. <laughs> right. And the furry pig chicken. And the pig chicken knew how to get back to Tallow because the pig chicken is from Tallow. Mm-hmm. And the pig chicken just happened to have slipped through the crack, I guess, and hung out at the, at, I was about to say the mandarins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I almost got it in there. I almost got you to say it. Uh, Wen his, Wu uh, is his name. Wen Wu at Wen Wu's pad in the back where Trevor's hanging out. And that's the only way they could get to Tallow is have the pig, the pig chicken um, tell them and nobody could talk to the pig chicken, but Trevor. So Trevor's along for the ride. Um, yeah but when they get in there and you start seeing on these animals these mystical animals i think that was meant to give asian audiences their mythos because and i'll tell you why i think one and i didn't know this i didn't notice this until uh my second viewing uh here for for the podcast one you have those chinese dragon looking um lions mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and their faces and like the curly hair around their of their manes and their faces looked always to me like the chinese dragons that they have at chinese new years um during oh, uh-huh. um parades in chinatowns across the country so i i figured those are maybe those are chinese dragons and they are put there so that asian audiences that are watching this can feel their own cultural connection Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm good with that. But there was one animal that they passed. It was sitting, was standing, was sitting on a rock watching them come in. Was a white fox with like 18 tails or maybe 13 tails or something. <laughs> okay. And I didn't realize this, but I only know this now because in Marvel Comics uh, continuity uh, currently, there's a character called White Fox, who is. I think she's Chinese and there's been like, since Greg Pak has embraced his Asian sides and is writing to Asian strengths. And there's been um, Asian writers brought into to write Asian characters. Like they're having a series of Marvel voices coming from different um, ethnicities and cultures and uh, LGBTQ and all sorts of, um, voices of writers in their culture writing about the characters that reflect their culture. White Fox is a character 
who is drawn from Chinese myths. And there is a white fox in Chinese myth with a bunch of tails. I don't, that's as much as I know about it. Hmm. But when I saw this cat, when I saw this creature sitting on that rock, that's when it clicked for me. And so I don't even know if the pig, the pig chicken is one of those kind of characters <laughs> or if they made it up only for this, for this, for the movie, but all that mysticism and all that magic and all those creatures and things, I think it was all put together for Chinese audiences and for Asian audiences to say, thank you. Mm, okay. That's what I think. Hmm. And it all worked right. for me because I, because the magic and the mist, you know, like as you're describing, as you described the, the fight scene between Lee and Wen Wu and how that had, you know, flavor and feel. I think Tao Lo was just an expansion of that feel. How mm. this is a mystical place, a magical place. It has magical creatures and it has a people who have learned um, a martial style art with weapons or not weapons. And they have the kind of crouching tiger hidden dragon thing and mm. they can, you know, slide around and they can make wind blow with their arms and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, it got me. I'm, I was, I, pre- I appreciated it. I think what I think the conflict that I had was it it felt like it was two different movies to me then mm-hmm. because I was more into the the idea of Shang Chi being a character where he knew that eventually he was going to have to face his father in some way mm-hmm. and that sort of burden that would just follow him around and knowing that eventually he's going to have to he's going to have to deal with this thing and it's going to come calling for him at some point. He just doesn't know when. Mm. Right. And so I like that. And I like the family dynamics that I already mentioned. And then we get this stuff that feels to me more like a sequel idea to where it's like, Oh, let's go. Let's go see these uh, magical creatures and such. And I get that they they tie it in with Talo and, and uh, um, the mother character supposedly in the in the little fortress thing and all that kind of stuff like i i get where they're going but the whole village and it being so fantastical Mm. it it sort of wasn't as emotionally satisfying to me as i wanted it to be Mm. because i was i kept i kept seeing like i was really imprinted on the idea of of young shang chi uh, wearing out part of that beam that he was hitting. Oh yeah. Right. And this being like a thing that he was sort of being emotionally abused as well as physically abused. Yes. And so I was like, okay, let's just focus on him and the sister against the dad. Mm. Like, that's what I was hoping for. And when we got all of this other glitz and glamor, I was kind of like, yeah, okay, this is okay. Like this is working. Okay. But Mm. it's not what the story was set up to me. And I and like I said that we do have that moment that I love with Wen Wu and Lee, where like we were saying about the the entrance to Talo, but that I thought was fantastical in how individual it was. Like it was just those two characters, and so it's like I like it and I don't like it at the same time because it's it's like it is set up because the beginning is about him being this warlord and and taking over these countries and this is not a thing that is uh out of character for him to do Mm. and so i get that but at the same time i it just worked so much better when it was much more individual and emotional because i think that those emotional moments worked so well to where i was like oh yeah give me some give me more of this so it was one of those things where 
I would have, I, I guess I would have rather have it been a series because mm. I could have got more of those individual pieces and some of the individual things could have resolved before the big, the big battle, as opposed to it all kind of coming together at once. Okay. I hear you. Yeah. Or, or two movies, right? Yeah. Or two movies. Yeah, and there is a sequel to this coming out. Um, most of the most of the same people are back okay um so i so that'll be interesting i you know like i just said i don't know i have any history with the with the source material so i don't know anything about other rogues gallery people or uh like did you know the uh the gentleman in the the white kabuki mask looking thing oh no uh i I was like is this his name is death dealer um and uh the the actor that plays him as a stunt performer but i didn't yeah. know anything about the, i was like this is a striking image but i didn't know anything about this character and is he in the comics did you find out i don't i don't know i would I assume um, i would assume it's too good of a visual for it not to be it seems like you? it seems like very specific for it not not to be mm. but but for you maybe it was he was just set up because when um when the the wall that is supposed to be where Lee, the wife was supposed to be hidden behind, mm-hmm, started mm-hmm. to break, and the real things was coming out, uh, Cthulhu, Cthulhu. <laughs> when when those things started coming out, um, the seriousness of of them as a threat, maybe that character having been set up as like a lieutenant, an important lieutenant, suddenly getting the life sucked out of him mm-hmm. by these things, maybe that was the cause for highlighting his character up until that point is like oh this oh shit just got seriously real yeah so the lieutenant ideas is another interesting one because that could also be like a you know he's the sort of adopted son of Wenwu then Mm. right because he's the lieutenant for however long and then you could have the dynamic between him and Simu Liu's character of Shang-Chi so it's just like there's all of this really rich stuff that I felt like they kind of rushed. Okay. And I, and I wish that yeah. they would have really pulled this and extended this out because I, if I mean, like if Iron Fist, either the seasons had this sort of rich characters mm. to draw from, like I would have loved to see that sort of thing to where if they would have swapped, if Iron Fist would have just been two hours mm. instead of you making me sit through all that stuff. I did it. That was my fault. <laughs> and if this if this would have been the more extended, uh, what used to be the Netflix style of uh, of giving the time to to this story, I, w- I guess I would have liked that. And it's it's almost like um, I don't know. It's like praise, but also damning praise because it's like I wanted more of this world, and I felt like they kind of rushed through it somewhat. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. If it was two movies, if mm-hmm. the first movie had to do with the family conflict and Shang's um, either vindication, conflict with father, fighting this lieutenant, uh, this stand-in son, mm-hmm. doing all that and coming to a conclusion in one movie mm-hmm. and having all that richness, character development and stuff ended. And then the second, then the, the sequel being, now let's go to Tao Li. Mm-hmm. What's the name of it? Again? Tao, Lo. <laughs> Tao Lo. Now let's go to Tao Lo and see the wonders that are waiting inside this place where mom came from. Right. Or they could have got something like, uh, you know, they they defeat Wen Wu and then they it accidentally opens the gate or whatever. Mm, or and whatever. Then, and that's how the first <laughs> and that's how the first movie ends. Right. 
Yeah. yeah. The, it's almost like what um, it's like they had enough material sort of like Dune or the first mm. Lord of the Rings to where it's like, instead of leaving it on a, and now the story is going to really kick off in the second half. They're mm. like, no, let's just put it all into one film. See, Marvel, we're, we're here for you. We can help. Mm-hmm. Listen to us. <laughs> Call us up. We we'll, we'll, we got you. We got you. And so some of the stuff like uh, Destin Daniel Cretton, who was the director of this, he also did uh, Short Term 12 with uh, Brie Larson, which was one of the first things that she got a, a lot of attention for. Um, and then I just saw him in the film that he did before this, which was uh, a Michael B. Jordan movie, which was called uh, Just Mercy. And uh, that's a, and so she, he's got oh, connections. He's got connections to the uh, the MCU before making this, mm-hmm. before making this film. I've heard of Just Mercy. I've seen some of the clips. No, I haven't watched the whole clip, but just it comes, it slides up on my uh, Instagram for somebody's paying money for that to happen. Oh, and, promoting it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I I I didn't. It looked like it's going to be a emotional wreck of a picture like you were going to sit and cry and sob for yeah, it, it very much is it's it's a world-renowned civil defense civil rights defense attorney brian stevenson played by michael b jordan works to free a wrongly condemned death row prisoner played by jamie fox pass i don't want to go through that yeah so it's one of those where it's really <laughs> gonna hit you emotionally yeah no yeah. thank you uh <laughs> let, let many people go see and learn learn mm-hmm. And get those lessons and know what the fuck is up in this country. But I, I don't want to go on that ride. Yeah, you don't need that education. I don't need it. I, I'm aware of that stuff already. Yeah. I, <laughs> I kind of live it. And on a good day, I don't want to be taken back to how shitty the country can be towards black people. Mm-hmm. So the other thing that is interesting about uh, Destin Daniel Cretton is that his um, next project that he's currently filming uh is with kehu kwan who was uh short round in the indiana jones movies who's in the goonies who's now in uh everything everywhere all at once with michelle yo oh uh it stars him it stars michelle yo and it is the comic book adaptation of american born chinese and so he's doing that it's based on a gene luen yang's uh, graphic novel and he is uh, writing some of the episodes as well. And it is very much the same sort of deal to where it's uh, mostly an Asian crew, mostly an Asian cast. Um, and that's uh, coming sometime soon, hopefully. But that is, that is filming. And then he is also going to be the director of the Shang-Chi sequel. Right on. So more of the, more of the same good stuff, hopefully. Mm-hmm. so these up. fights in this movie was the fights that everybody w- was hoping that would happen in iron fist isn't mm-hmm. it? absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely so one of the benefits of having some of the people that you cast is it's like oh yeah almost all of these people have experience in martial arts mm-hmm. and so you don't have to you don't have to put you don't have to tell michelle yo how to do some martial arts <laughs> ain't that the truth right? <laughs> <laughs> i mean michelle yo who is uh a wonderful actress and is uh let's see she will be 60 years old soon is that all yeah she's she was born in 62 
I'm I'm of the, the age summer. now where I hear 60s and 70s, and I'm like sprightly, young lad. <laughs> but see, but she moves around. She does not move around like a woman that is 60 years old. She does now. Well, <laughs> this is the new 60, baby. The new 60. That's right. You better recognize. <laughs> and so the 70s. We're not wearing not the 50s, 60s, and 70s of of your father and grandfather's era. We are the new 50s, 60s, and 70s. You better recognize out there, young people. And the other person who doesn't move around like he is almost 60 is uh, Tony Leung, who uh-huh. plays Wen Wu, who is also turning 60 this summer. Yeah, that's just that's young. Mm-hmm. So, turning 60 is young to me. Midlife. Because my black ass is going to be turning 60 in a couple of years. Well, you just need to get uh, you need to get trained on some of this Kung Fu because look uh, how good so, all these people look. I need to. Right. Right. Lose about. 35, 45, 50 pounds. And, uh, yeah. Well, you just need to get on that Simu Liu sort of uh, program. He's a, he's a baby. He, <laughs> well, he, he is, yeah. He's a child. He's yeah, a child. He's, he, is not, uh, he is not old. He was almost born in the 90s. Yeah. Is he even 30 yet? He was born in 89. I can't do the math. Is so that means yet? that he is, yes, he's in his 30s. Okay. Well, okay then. Right. Not very far, but he's in his thirties. Mm-hmm. But it's that it's those you know those those um, metabolism mm-hmm. in these young people that helps them. Um, more power to them. I'm just jealous. I admit mm-hmm. it. <laughs> oh, look at this little bit of interesting business. So Shang Chi's sister, who I'm still Zhu struggling. Zaling. Okay, she. This was her first feature film. Oh, nice! She did well. She did really well. Uh, the only movie that she had done, or the only show that she had done before this, was uh, Netflix's The Witcher. Really? Yeah. I never saw The Witcher. I haven't I tried seen to it. Watch the first. It, I f- tried to watch the first episode, and then I heard um, it. One of the conceits of the show, which it sounded like a good turn, but. Um, that was called a spoiler and <laughs> since i knew it halfway in the first episode i was like okay well i got it i get it okay i got it no no need to keep watching yeah i watched uh about half of the first episode and was like hmm, i don't think this is for me mmm exactly. that was it <laughs> and i played D. oh yeah that should be I, in your I wheelhouse you would Pathfinder. think Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Douglas and Dragons. You can uh-huh. uh, tune in. It's on the web. Douglas and Dragons. You can find and it on I the web. I enjoy webs. myself a lot. So I thought I would I would like The Witcher, but I don't play The Witcher game. So mm-hmm. I didn't have in, an in other than the fantasy realm. And what I was watching, it was just middle medieval uh, cultures. It didn't look like I didn't see much magic going on. I didn't see many dungeons or dragons mm-hmm. so it wasn't really for me you just saw superman with white hair and it didn't make any sense to you and plus the white hair didn't look convincing to me. no <laughs> no it did not <laughs> it looked better than the uh, cgi removal of the mustache but it didn't look very well good. that's that's a fact <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're not doing that side of the block because <laughs> i don't have much to good good to say about right. it, much of that and nobody wants to hear us just gripe about what they love that's right that is right. Well, what else about uh, Shang-Chi? Is there anything else that you uh, wanted to mention about this one? Um, I enjoyed Katie a great deal. Okay. 
even thankfully I didn't know this controversy about Aquafina. Uh-huh. So I was able to and I have never seen her in anything before. Oh, so okay. I, you sh- you should watch uh I do have on my Plex the uh Crazy Rich Asians. That's a really good. It's like taking the romantic comedy but it's like if we did a romantic comedy but actually did it really well. Hmm. It's uh it says it has the, um my favorite Michelle Yeoh uh, is in one of the starring roles. It's got Ooh. Constance Wu, which I who I like quite a bit, mm. and Henry Golding that was in uh, the Snake Eyes movie. Okay, um, it's got he's the he's the male lead, mm-hmm. uh, but it's but that's really good. I like that a lot, and she's fine in it. It's just I don't know. She <laughs> she just very much is like it's almost like if you put uh, and I and I'm thinking of this because she's in. Uh, the Jumanji sequel, but it's kind of like if you put Jack Black in a movie, it's like okay, I know exactly <laughs> what I'm going to get. Okay, that's what I think uh, Aquafina does. All right, where it's sort of like she does her one thing and she does it well, but it's sort of like you're not you're not really going to get much other than that one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, well, I guess a better comparison is maybe like uh, like Adam Sandler because. Ooh. Aquafina was in a movie called The Farewell, which was a story that I first heard on This American Life. And it was a story about this Chinese family that found out that their grandmother was had cancer and was going to die soon. Mm-hmm. And so then rather than tell her that she's going to die, they pushed up a a, a pending marriage so that they could have it with her and have her mm. there. And they are all trying to like, keep the, her own illness secret from her and all this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and it's, it's very much a uh, sort of like tear jerking drama kind of a film, but it's also got, it's got comedic moments in it, but uh, it was one of those things to where when that came out, it was somewhat of a surprise that she didn't get at least nominated for an Oscar or a golden globe or something like that for it. Was she, was she the lead actress? She was. Yeah. She was the one whose wedding they moved up. No, she was the grand the granddaughter of this woman who was uh, ill. Yeah, so what, it was her wedding. They were moving up. No, to- it was it was her uh, her brothers. Oh, so she was uh, dramatic in it. Yeah, she was dramatic. She was not not very comedic at all. So then, so yeah. she's got it in her, kind of like how yeah. Adam Sandler has it in him, but it's oh. it's few and far between when you actually oh, get to see, see those things. Point. Yeah. yeah, no, I was thinking when you said Adam Sandler, I was thinking one trick pony. Yeah. Well, that's what I that's what I think. It's almost like um it's almost like Nick Cage to where it's like they're doing their damnedest. You just got to kind of direct them the right way. Mm. Like they're going to give you the full version of whatever they are, but unless you kind of wrangle it properly, it could go off the rails real quick. Mm. So. So anyway, I think that I think that she's good in certain situations. I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to. She's not a, a young woman that I would like to hang out with. I'll say it that way. Oh my gosh! <laughs> she's like too much for me. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Personality fit not so much. No, no. It's just. Oh, she would grab you by the arm. She's come on, Eric. Yeah, come sing uh, some karaoke with me. So that's that's what I want to say before we go is. Mm-hmm. The tie-ins to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh-huh. which at the beginning, when he is going 
well, he's waking up and he's going to see, is he going to her house or he's going somewhere? And he's knocking on the door. Or he's outside of, on the street. There were flyers on the wall that were saying things like, and I wrote it down, post blip anxiety, uh, national blip support hotline. And there nice was another that. thing called um, blip sync. <laughs> 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 so right at the beginning of the movie, they are acknowledging that this takes place after the blip. And mm-hmm. they, they're living in a world where the blip happened. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. And when they went to his sister's um, fighting club, the very first fight that you see is Wong, mm-hmm. Dr. Strange's uh, in the 616 man service. Uh, if you like that, unfortunate. a whole lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think in the MCU, isn't he the Sorcerer Supreme in the MCU? Oh, because- oh you know he is because that was a uh, Spider-Man uh, No Way Home that I just watched. There you go. Uh, where he says that you don't get to be gone for five years and keep your title of Sorcerer Supreme. Thank you. Uh-huh. Boom, 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 boom. There it is. Yes. <laughs> and since this happens after the blip, Wong is the Sorcerer Supreme because Doctor Strange got blipped in the... Uh, and yes, thank you mm-hmm. very much. Mm-hmm. Thank you, because I, I, I that nagging detail was in the corner of my head somewhere, and it couldn't, and I couldn't pull it forward. Well, it's funny because like when this came out, it's 2021, so you don't really know that until you know three years later or two years later. Yeah, 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 yeah. So or whatever. Yeah, it is. And, and he doesn't, and he also doesn't say it in the in in this movie. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say he's the Sorcerer Supreme. But we learn in No Way Home that he he has been the social supreme all this time. And he is fighting the abomination. Yeah, you know, I was wondering if they were going to name him. They did. Did, did they say his name? He called him Emil. Ah, okay. When they were after the fight and they were in the locker room and they were doing the debriefing, which it looked like, I guess that meant it was just like pro wrestling uh-huh. in, instead of an actual fight. And he called him Emil. Yeah, because he did. He was giving him tricks on like, not you know, it's so sort hard. of like training, right? Yeah, but he was griping that he punched him too hard. <laughs> right. Yeah. So wait. So wait a minute. Let me. Let me. Uh... Emil. What E-M-I-L. is this? M I L. What's his last name? name? Oh, I don't know. Some Aronofsky or something. I, I keep thinking of like Neil Blomkamp, who is a director. <laughs> E-M-I-L, Abomination. Yeah, Google Abomination that. is right. So so what was the guy's name that... Uh... Wait a minute. What was the guy's in name? In the Hulk movie? In the Hulk movie. That was same. just like, that was Tim Roth playing him, but yep. that wasn't the same guy. Well, I guess it was <laughs> Emil Blonsky. Blonsky, that's right. Blonsky. And yeah, no, he's the same guy in uh, the Incredible Hulk movie. Same name, anyway. Same name, okay. Emil huh. Bl- Emil that Blonsky guy's was- name was Emil? Emil, yep. Mm. As soon as and- you said it, it stuck in my head. I'm like, that, because he looked so much like Abomination to begin with. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Down, Right down to the blue, um, the blue shorts. Oh, right. That. And then he called him Emil. And as soon as he called him Emil, I was like, confirmed. Abomination confirmed. I tell you what, though, Tim Roth does never look like an Emil to me. 
<laughs> he looks like a Tim or like a Larry or something like that. <laughs> that man does not look like an Emil. So he got uh, replaced. He's replaced one of the CGI. One of the interesting things that I found out about Aquafina when I was looking up her, um, her name is uh, based around the word awkward, uh, which she says that I gather her. that. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, she attended LaGuardia High School in New York, yep. which was the same high school as Timothy Chalamet from Dune that we mentioned earlier and Nicki Minaj. So there you go. Timothy Chalamet is American. Timothy Chalamet is American. I thought he was from on the other side of the pond. He was born in New York, New York. Well, how very um, pretentious of him. <laughs> how very dare of him. <laughs> <laughs> what? Who, who names their, who spells Timothy that way in New York? Timothy with two E's, yes. And Chalamet. a umlaut over the E. One of, <laughs> come on. Well, that's one of those things where it's like, you know that that man has some money. If, you, if he, your name is spelled that please. way. His name, Tim from around the way. <laughs> they call him Timmy every single Timmy. day of his life. Absolutely. You know Aquafina or Nora calls him uh, Timmy. Yup. And then he goes up to California and he decides, oh, it's Timothy, don't you know? Mm -hmm. Yes, I studied fine arts with uh, <laughs> with the pinky on 57th Street in Manhattan. I grew mm -hmm. up there, you know. Mm -hmm. Get out of here, Tim. We know you. Boy, mm -hmm. sit down somewhere. Uh, I think that the other nobody. thing, the last thing about Aquafina is it's. I think it's because she's also a rapper. I think that that's part of the issue. Okay. I would say that her rap style is probably not uh, what you would expect. So it drew some heat like um, like Iggy. Like mm -hmm. Iggy drew, Iggy like Azalea, Iggy drew yeah. heat. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like that. Mm -hmm. I get it. So that's what I would say about that. Um, mm -hmm. Also, I would say that uh, Simu Liu doing wonderful for himself. I love the, the idea of him being in those stock photos about how he's talked about that um have you seen that story uh yes i absolutely did and yes. then he was uh he used to play spider-man back in the day when mm -hmm. he was still trying to make it mm -hmm. uh and then i we watched the episode with him on uh, hot ones where they eat all the hot wings oh i can't even watch that <laughs> and he was a champ he held he held on there pretty good not not quite uh uh not quite like lord where she you know, eats the hottest stuff and is just like delicious wing and like doesn't <laughs> even flinch. But good on her, pretty so good. She's, she's more than just uh, British royalty, and mm -hmm. I know she's not really British royalty, but every time, just the fact that her name is Lord, yes. makes me think, oh, she's stepping down to do music. <laughs> How very noble of her. Mm -hmm. She's also got a kind of the attitude to where I don't give a fuck what you think <laughs> about me. <laughs> and I, I appreciate that does she speak like um um what what's old girl's name with came out with him oh my god i don't like this i my <laughs> brain used to be so good adele oh does no. she speak like adele speaks no she's a little more refined than adele <laughs> okay <laughs> adele's just out there just she's just around splattering she just splatter words <laughs> She's what you call an around the way girl, London style. <laughs> yes, she is. Oh my, oh my. Yeah, if people other... enjoy, if people enjoy the way that Adele speaks, I would 
invite you to on Netflix to check out the show Dairy Girls, oh, which uh, is about some Irish women oh. in the 90s. And believe you me, do you have to have the subtitles on because you don't have a clue what those girls are saying. <laughs> well, see, it's funny that you're mentioning Irish because I can't watch the those hot wings um, things. I can't watch them mm-hmm. because it's so there's a thing called the Tri Channel on the, the YouTubes mm-hmm. that is exclusively about Irish people trying things. Okay. And I think the comedy in it is that they're Irish, so they react with in their accents, with their <laughs> the way they would naturally speak as 20-somethings. And so it's fuck, fuck me, and all this kind of <laughs> That's really good, fuck? actually. Jesus fucking Christ. Like, <laughs> the, they would just roll out all the, and it's funny, but when they do hot food, because mm-hmm. I like to watch them because they're funny and it's like a nice wind down at the end of a stressful day. Mm-hmm. If they do hot foods, my head starts to sweat, literally starts to sweat. <laughs> it is Pavlovian, the way my head will sweat because I'm not touching a single thing. And yet, <laughs> as a matter of fact, Eric, I mm-hmm. wish I could show you right now. Just sweating thinking about, about it. This. It's got my head moist. The top <laughs> of my head is moist. <laughs> well, oh. if we learned anything from this recording, there it is. <laughs> so <laughs> the last thing about this show that I will say about this this movie is I loved the framing sequence that you just mentioned. Uh, you didn't just mention it, but you mentioned it way at the top, uh-huh. top of ours about when him and her him and Katie are talking to their friend, their, their high school friends. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are successful. And they're kind of putting Sean and Katie down for being parking attendants. Mm-hmm. And but they're all but the four of them are all friends and they're relating their their misadventures at high school. And yeah, it was, you know, they kind of at the beginning of the movie, it kind of made Katie and Sean kind of check them, not even check themselves because they weren't ashamed of who they were and being car parking attendants. Mm-hmm. But it kind of set the scene for character development for the both of them. Right. Because through those two characters, the audience is told that Sean and Katie have potential that they're squandering. Mm-hmm. Now, exactly. The, and, Right. And now at the end of the movie, they have triumphed over evil and beat back Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> both of them did. Right. They mm-hmm. gave Katie a, a, a pivotal scene where she was able to deflect the big Chinese dragon that was uh, or Cthulhu that was eating the Chinese dragon. And now they come back to those two friends. Mm-hmm. Back in their own regular lives. Just to ground again, it. Right. Yeah. To, to ground this again. But this time they have done all this stuff and so they were telling their friends so we did this and there was this big chinese dragon and we shot this thing and yeah and, and i shot it and with and i couldn't believe and and the friends are like you know what Get okay <laughs> we're, i'm sorry did we make you feel bad last well it's mostly this one lady who you mentioned who was she again sue, says, sue. she's the one that was putting shang and katie on on notice yeah so she's the one that that is dismissing their story and no, don't even don't come read with that mess. So so you're mad that I that I called you out, right? But I'm just a friend and I'm just trying to tell you. Yeah. And then the portal opens behind them and re- the return of Wong 
to get Shang and Katie because something's afoot in the Marvel U- Cinematic Universe and we're going to need all hands on deck. Come with me. And out of the middle of this entire restaurant, <laughs> Shang and Katie step into their hero identity, not a costume, but just, oh shit, we're somebody. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to work with superheroes now. I guess we're superheroes. And walk through the portal and go on to the next chapter of the MCU. I'm so excited about that. I just love that framing. Yeah. So what is what do you think that that's going to be? I think it's going to be related to the Eternals. Oh, okay. You will see when you look at the Eternals movie. <laughs> Fair enough. And please sit through to the very last. Oh, moment. you know, I know my lesson by now. <laughs> <laughs> I will do that for sure. I, uh, I, I will admit, even though it's Marvel slash Sony, we did not sit through all of uh, No Way Home oh. because I was ready to leave that movie. Oh, you didn't like that movie? I did, I did not. <gasps> what? I thought that parts of it looked like it was a Saturday Night Live skit. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's just shelve that for now. <laughs> that is a tease right there. <laughs> yes, that's what you call that. Uh, so anyway, so that's what we thought about Shang-Chi. I thought it was a little uneven after about the first 45 minutes or so. Uh, once we started getting into more of the fantastical stuff, I started losing my way a little bit and I wasn't quite as invested, but I still did enjoy it uh, for the most part. I, I did think it's something that we will we will watch um on multiple occasions because i like that beginning half so much mm. so if you have any comments suggestions or movies that you'd like to hear us talk about you can email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com you can follow the show over at twitter where our handle is at plain label pod if you wanted to help out the show you could check out our show notes where you'll find the link to our amazon wish list i do want to thank mr alan white for coming on if people wanted to hear more from you or get in touch with you or buy something from you where could they do that they could go on twitter for as long as it lasts hello <laughs> i am at new mutant you know what i love the most in, in the in all the world hmm. i love it when super rich people barge their way into life oh yeah that's i love that i love it they could just buy their way into my life no questions, no invitations. Don't ask me shit. Just buy your way in. And Just all of butt a right in. There's plenty of room in Alan's life. Oh, so I'm <laughs> at New Mutant on the Twitters. Mm-hmm. I am at New Mutant 08 on the Instagrams, uh-huh. where you will see a lot more of my um, samples from The Power Principle, a comic that I have been doing mm-hmm. since 2007 that I resurrected, mm-hmm. that I had started in 1983. Look at you. And you can also <laughs> hear me on Douglas and Dragons. I never, I, never, um, I never pimped that, but I should because I love it. And we've got 200 plus episodes out there. And it's one of the funniest role, uh, actual play podcasts playing Pathfinder that I listen to, even though I'm on it. Wow, look at that. That's how you know it's really good if you listen to yourself when you're on a show. It's funny, like, because I'm one of five people, and the other four people are hilarious. 
can I shout them out just real quick? Mm-hmm. So our game, <laughs> our, our game master, but uh, uh, Doug, the eponymous Doug calls him <laughs> our game daddy. So <laughs> game daddy John Bunger is, is herding cats. We're the cats. Doug is the eponymous. Uh, Doug, Doug Michelle is the, um, is Doug. We started out because he didn't know anything about um, Dungeons and Dragons or mm. Pathfinder. So we started the podcast just teaching it to him as he played. Now he's better at the rules than we are. Douglas, <laughs> Jason Farrell, Jason, um, <laughs> am I drunk? Am I old? I don't know. But Jason Farrell, why do I think Jason um, Ford's name is not Jason Ford? Okay, so there's two Jasons, Jason Ford, Jason Farrell, Douglas Michelle, me, Alan White, and Game Daddy John Bunger. So there it good. is. There it is. And people can find that on Apple Podcasts or YouTube, or where can they find that? They can find that at goodpencil.com. Goodpencil.com. Yes. Wonderful. So thank you for listening, and you can join Alan and I next week as we uh, discuss the film that I know nothing about for a change, which is the next uh, entry into the phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it is, of course, Eternals. Uh, rolling in them palace, but you're too tame. I ain't for the South, but I appreciate the wood grain. Never calling me about the noise, it's only two, man. I'm in the same building, but the flows and view change. I ain't for the waiting now. I bought a Rari and I did it just to hit a sound. God save, really about to lose all this meaning now. Guess you love to travel when I pull up and you leaving town. Say you're married to the game and I'm just here to burn it down. I got a flight in the morning, I see what you've been trying to do when I'm a mission to border. You think I never pay attention in my mind, I'm recording. I'm about to win and ruin all your goals and dreams out of boredom. Riding around with homies like we run the city. Looking fresh and feeling like a milli Moving silence, you can never hear me If you got a problem when you see me Run it